Well, good morning. Good morning. I greet you, my brothers and sisters, in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. I want to thank the praise team and litany of praise and prayer for setting the atmosphere for us this morning. I'm deeply grateful. I'm deeply grateful for how our seminary year has started. God has given us a theme of servanthood, and it's been amazing preaching last week with Dr. Siemens and Dr. Marmot, Dr. Bauer, and I'm deeply grateful for them and for our theme. However, I sense the Lord calling us to a time of prayer, to a season of prayer in our community that we might recommit ourselves individually and as a community to hear the voice of God in this season. And so for our time together today, I want us to turn our attention to prayer. And I want to spend some time unpacking this beautiful prayer in Ephesians 3. So let me pray as we begin today. Father, as we come before you, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, may your word fall on not just our ears, but transform us, God. God, help us to see you in ways that we've never seen you before. May we cast our eyes upon you. Have your way in us today, God. Use us for your honor and your glory, for it's in the name of Jesus I pray and ask. Amen. Well, I want to start with a story about food, even though we're going to talk about praying and fasting today. <laughs> because I love good food. Um, I always look forward to a great meal. And one of the things I love about Asbury and Callis Villages can go to Callis Village and have a great meal from all over the world. And I'm grateful for the hospitality of our students. But I grew up on good food. Both my grandmother and my mother were excellent cooks. And they did pass a little bit of that on to me, I'll promise you that. And around the holidays, it was crazy at our house. We didn't have um, a lot of money. And so I think our way of fellowship and hospitality was this amazing spread that would be laid out around the house. And my mother and my grandmother would spend weeks, not just days, Ms. Tenet, but weeks preparing for holiday meals. And it was the way they would tell us how much they loved us. We would eat until we couldn't consume any more food. I don't know if you know that feeling I'm talking about when you've just had one roll too many, and you're just uncomfortable, and you're just stuffed. Well, my son played Division I football at the University of Louisville, and one year he called me and said, Mom, would you mind if I brought a few of my teammates home for Thanksgiving? They don't have anywhere to go, and Daniel had a gift of hospitality, and he loved his teammates, and you're talking about some people that could put some food away was his friends from the football team. I mean, these were little fellas. They weren't big linebackers. I don't know what you called them. They played in the backfield. So what are they, uh, 
uh, uh, receivers and running backs. They were little guys, but uh, they must have had a hollow leg <laughs> because their capacity to consume food was off the charts. But one thing was always true at our house. There was always plenty of food. There was always leftovers and something for the next day. There's always abundance of provision for anyone that's hungry. Can you hear me today? Well, what does food have to do with our text in Ephesians 3? I think we all know what it's like to feel completely full and stuffed on food, but the question I want to pose for us this morning is what is our capacity for God? How much of God do we really want? Our text today says that we can be filled with the fullness of God. I'm still amazed by that. Can you imagine being full of God? I want to be like that. We can mingle and we can spend time with the divine. It still amazes me that the divine wants to spend time with humanity. We can be full of God. How much do we want at Asbury Theological Seminary? How much do we really want of God to show up? We're praying for revival. How much do we really want God to show up among us? I think Paul's prayer for the Ephesians is one of the most beautiful pieces of Scripture, I believe, in the New Testament. I love this prayer. It's his second prayer in these three chapters. And see, Paul is doing all this praying. Paul must have thought prayer was important. And we see Paul articulating the importance of being one with Christ and one with each other in this text. You know, we can only experience the fullness of God and what he has for us in community. Christianity is not a Lone Ranger sport. It's not an individual sport. It's why it's so important for us to come together as a community and pray together as a community and not just individual believers. We need each other to help us understand who God is. So Paul prays for the saints, the community, the church in this amazing prayer. I believe Paul wanted them to have a deeper understanding of what was God's intention for the church, the bride of Christ. What did God want? And it's from this place, I believe, Paul writes this glorious, beautiful prayer in Ephesians that we might have a deeper experience of God's love and God's fullness. It's available. So Paul introduces this prayer in Ephesians 3.14 with a posture of humility as he bows before the Father. And it's a posture of reverence and humility that he begins to pray for the saints in Ephesus. Now, I know I'm old, and I know I'm old-fashioned, but there's something about getting on our knees when we pray that puts us in a position to receive from God. It puts us in a posture to receive from God. We've gotten casual in our culture. And we're embarrassed to bow before a holy God. And I want to challenge us today to get that back, 
that as a community we can go on our knees and bow before a sovereign God and make our requests known to him and know that he will hear us when we pray. I love how he starts his prayer. He's reminding us that all creatures belong to God, that we're all a part of God's family. And then he prays that God, the giver of every good and perfect gift, would strengthen us with power through the Holy Spirit in our inner being. He prays for strength for the total person, our emotions, our will, our desires, our intellect, everything we are, all of who we are, that it might be illuminated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul is praying that we might know the presence of Christ and his love. Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the sent one, that he would dwell in our hearts. I wish I had time. So often in the scriptures, we know that we abide in Christ. And here Paul is talking about Christ dwelling in us, that he would live there, that he'd be settled there, that he'd take up residence there, that he'd be comfortable. Is Jesus comfortable dwelling in your inner person? Is he comfortable with your inner life? And Paul continues to pray that they may have power, the ability to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. That they could grasp this, they could attain it, they could take hold of what he's writing about in this place and see the overwhelming love of Christ, to really seize it, to go after it. Paul wants these saints to have a deeper understanding this endless love that has no limits and no boundaries. Paul is saying, take all you can of this love and be stuffed to capacity. Lord, have mercy. He goes on to pray that we'll know this love that surpasses knowledge. Love it so big, so deep, so wide, so long that our minds can't comprehend it. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? To experience Christ, to perceive his love, to know that he's present, to feel the presence of Jesus Christ fall fresh, to know him in an experiential way, to know Christ beyond knowing. We perceive him. We know he's there. We feel his presence in a way that's deeper than what we know in our minds, that we're overwhelmed. Have you ever been overwhelmed by the presence of God? And in experiencing Christ this way, we experience the fullness of God. Paul's appealing to our head and our hearts. And at this point, this gigantic prayer, which is what I'm trying to get to today, begins to climax, and it brings us to what we want to talk about, that we'll be completely filled until we're, we're so full of Jesus that we're filled with God. To experience his love and to feel the hand of God on us, to be open to who God is in all that he is. We get to experience this because of the work of Christ. The more we understand the love of God, the more we want of Jesus. 
It increases our capacity for God. God's purpose for his people is to be full of him. I could ask a question right there, and I will. What are we full of? God wants us to encounter him and spend time with him in the Holy of Holies. It's his purpose. It's his plan for his people and his church. He wants us to attend to our inner life with great care. Sure, we want to read books. Sure, we want to understand theology. We want to know more about God. But we want to know God. I want my capacity to understand who God is, to perceive God in all his fullness. I want to decrease, and I want Jesus to increase. And it's not just a manifestation. Certainly, we, want, we love God. We want to see signs and wonders and miracles, but that's not just one experience. I want, we want to be full of God all the time. It's not a one-time feeling. We want to be invited behind the veil to really know who Christ is, to be filled with his love, more of Jesus and less of me. So what are we talking about? What does it mean to be filled with the fullness of God? It means to be complete, to be complete with divine presence. Well, how about our capacity to hold that? I believe our capacity to hold more of God can be increased. Let me give you some examples. When I was a business dean at Delaware State, I'd see freshmen come to college, first time away from home, uh, just starting their academic journey, and they were wild. They were wild. They just weren't ready to study. Their capacity for academic understanding was fairly low. But then I'd see these same students at commencement. I'd watch them walk across the stage, and their capacity for academic understanding had increased greatly after four years in a classroom. They had prepared themselves for a career. They had matured. These same students were ready for the next step. They didn't start that way, but they were certainly ending that way when they walked across the stage. They were ready for more. I believe this is true of us in our spiritual life. Our capacity for God can be increased. Have we lost our ability to believe? that God wants us to have his fullness? Or are we okay with just a little bit of God? Are we okay with a, just a little bit of time for reflecting and not really pausing to view who this sovereign God is? Do we want to grow? Do we, we want to really be stretched to ponder and reflect on who he is? Just as our physical bodies need exercise to be strengthened, we also need to attend to our inner life for growth and strength. Reading and thinking and discussing and praying about the things of God helps us to grow. The Holy Spirit leads and guides us into deeper water, into places that we haven't been before, 
that begins to transform our life. And these activities have to take priority over our busy, busy schedules. We have to make time for God. But He deserves our devotion, He deserves our contemplation, and He deserves our obedience. To experience God's fullness, there has to be a yes in our spirit. We have to say yes to God, have your way in us. Do you have a yes in your spirit this morning? How do we have more of God? We have to empty ourselves of ourselves. We have to empty ourselves of self-will and self-righteousness and self-sufficiency and self-admiration and a host of all the other self. I don't know about you, I can be so full of myself. And are we willing to get rid of that? We have to get empty to have the fullness of God, to yield to Him, to surrender to Him. We have more of God when we yield to the means of grace in our individual lives and in our community. Spending time with Him in prayer, studying the Word of God, getting together to pray as a community, Praying in DNA groups, fasting, being in fellowship with the people that love God, just to name a few. It increases our capacity. We grow in God's increase, and we say yes to Him, making Him first in our lives. Self is crucified on the cross. Our capacity for God is increased when we walk by faith. The bad news of the text is if we simply think that coming to seminary and learning a lot about God uh, would help us experience the fullness of God, you're just going to be disappointed. You'll never grow that way. Your knowledge will grow, but your ability to know who God is and to really experience Him in a deeper way won't happen. I'm praying that we will have a desire for for God, that we'll hunger and we'll thirst after him. We'll pan after him as a deer pants for the water. To have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to stop today and to stop right now and say, yes, Lord. To walk into his presence, to be fully surrendered and fully yielded. And then yield some more and some more that we might have the fullness of God and be able to grasp, to obtain, to understand, to take hold of and find out just how wide, how long and deep and high is the love of God in Christ Jesus. Our path to the fullness of God is directly related to our relationship with Jesus Christ. Doesn't the scripture teach us that? Don't we see that in Colossians 1.19, that it pleased God to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.9, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you've been given fullness in Christ, who's the head over every power and authority. When Jesus shows up, he brings the Godhead with him. Amen. The work's already been done. The battle's been fought. 
The victory's been won. And all he's asking us to do is to lean in, to come empty and ask him to fill us up. Saints, the fullness of God is available to us through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Think about that for a moment. That it is God's desire to dwell with us. How much do you want? How much of the divine do you really want to encounter? You know, we get to everything we love. If you love UK basketball, it's amazing how you can get hard to get tickets and show up there and scream and shout. How much of God do we really want? Look, how many of you all come to the Thanksgiving table full? Says, oh, let me eat real quick because we're going to have Thanksgiving. I'm going to have macaroni and cheese and stuffing and gravy and mashed potatoes and you guys know what I'm talking about. Homemade rolls and pumpkin pie and green beans and greens. And you don't come to the table full. You come to the table empty because you want to eat everything that's on that table. Well, can we empty ourselves to come to Christ, to come to God and get more of him? To come to the feast of the Lord because the feast of the Lord is going on. Can we come willing to be filled and to be transformed? So how would that happen? How can we do that? Paul tells us in verse 20 that God is able we serve an able God who's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think or imagine according to his power that's work within us to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. God's able to change us from the inside out. His power is already working in us. The Bible says it's like that power, his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Let's get empty and watch God fill us with his fullness. My brothers and sisters, today, today in this season, I'm going to invite you to the altar. I'm going to invite you to the altar for a time of reflection and prayer in chapel today. I'm going to invite you to ask God to fill you with more than you came in here with. I'm going to invite you to do some business with God in this season. We've got so many people praying for revival at, at the seminary, not just in Wilmore, but across all of our campuses. We all want to see God show up in all of his fullness and change the world, change our culture. We want to see God do again what he's done before. We want to be revived. We want to go to another place in God. And the Bible tells us 
that the fullness of God is available. We're willing to attend to our inner life and inviting to have more of us. Gonna invite you today to do business with God at this altar. Don't leave this chapel without asking God for more. And over the next 24 hours, we're gonna come together as a community and pray this powerful prayer in Ephesians together. We're gonna ask God to do something among us. And I'm believing that the God who is able can do exceedingly abundantly. This prayer that we're encountering in Ephesians 3 today is as appropriate today as it was 2,000 years ago. Will you do that? Can we come together and just turn to God, turn to Christ for 24 hours? Turn our plates over. Say, Holy Spirit, have your way in me and in us. As our band sings today, I'm going to invite you to the altar. There'll be people here that pray with you if you if you want to have someone pray with you, if you want to do business by yourself with God, that's fine. But I'm praying that we won't leave here the way we came in. That we'll believe God, a big God. That we'll believe that he's able in this season to be a way maker. You ought to stop singing about it if you don't believe it. You ought to stop telling him he's a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper. If you don't believe that's who he is. Let's ask God today for more. To be filled to the fullness of God. Amen.